What's good, everyone? You're listening to WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh. We are a student-run, nonprofit radio station based out of North Carolina State University. I am Plover, and this is Off the Record. Here with me today is BJ Barnum, the lead singer of the amazing American Aquarium. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, If we could just have us uh, uh, talk, uh, kind of um, start maybe by telling some about yourself. Uh, who are you? Uh, where are you from? That, that kind of thing. Yeah, my name is BJ Barham. I am the lead singer of American Aquarium. Uh, we're a Raleigh band. Uh, we've been doing this for about 16 years now. Um, I am an alumni of NC State University, and uh, we are very excited to be back uh, this Saturday night to headline Packapalooza on Hillsborough Street. Let's go. That's awesome. So were you always from Raleigh? I, I, I know NC State's a thing, but was that like there, was there something before that brought you to Raleigh? Yeah, I grew up uh, probably an hour and a half west of here uh, in a little town called Reedsville, North Carolina. Uh, it's about 15 minutes north of Greensboro. Um, uh, yeah, I spent the first 18 years of my life uh, in the tobacco fields of Reedsville, <laughs> North Carolina. And then uh, when I turned 18, I came to NC State. Um and I've been in the Raleigh area ever since. Awesome. Um, I do like to ask people this. Uh, where does the name American Aquarium uh, come from? Uh, so there's a band from Chicago called Wilco. Um, mm -hmm. they, have a, they have a record uh, called Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. The very first song on that record is a song called I Am Trying to Break Your Heart. And the very, very first line of that song is I'm an American Aquarium drinker. I assassin down the avenue. Um, I have no idea what that line meant, but my freshman, but my freshman year in college, uh, it spoke to me in a way uh, that caused me to name my band that. And uh, here we are, sixteen years later, um, <laughs> with the same band name. And yeah, it's a, it's a great name, and it's a pretty cool origin story. I've, I've definitely heard of, of weirder origin stories than that. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you could find a good one. So. You moved to Raleigh in around age eighteen. Uh, what kind? What kind of transition is that like? Going from, as you said, tobacco fields to uh, less tobacco fields. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was a culture shock. Um, I was a small town kid. Um, like a lot of people that come to state, I was from rural North Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden you're moving to the state capital. Um, not only are you moving to NC State University, you're moving to one of the cultural epicenters of the state. Um, so growing up in North Carolina, I was surrounded by a bunch of people that looked like me, acted like me, talked like me. Um, all of a sudden, you're, you're thrown into um, truly a melting pot uh, at NC State, and you learn um, that your parents weren't always right about everybody. Your parents weren't always right about people, about, um, about – you, you, you really learn about how little culture you had in Reedsville, North Carolina. Um, and you start forming your own opinions. You start growing as a human being. Um, you start uh, learning what you want out of the world. Um, and NC State was a great place for me to not only learn about the stereotypes uh, that my parents taught me were wrong, but also start formulating my own opinions about the world around me. That's awesome. Yeah, and that must be great for uh, forming a band as well. I'm sure there's able to like branch out kind of into the, the Raleigh scene a bit, play some local venues and stuff. For sure. It, it really kind of helped me get my uh, my bearings on Raleigh, because as you can imagine, uh, moving here, um, I didn't move here with a lot of friends. I didn't move here. I didn't go to NC State because a lot of my friends went to state. Um, 
so moving here, it was kind of like a restart. It was the first time I'd ever been out on my own uh, in my entire life. And so starting a band here, you know, my freshman year was really a way for me to one, just have a friend base Two, um, I was able to, I was, I've been, I've been very fortunate to meet so many amazing people through music and, uh, and it all started on Hillsborough street. Well, uh, uh, how exactly, well, what part of Hillsborough street was, was that started it for you? So I hate to date myself, um, but all the venues I played on Hillsborough Street are no longer there. Uh, hate to see it. They've, they've been torn down and uh, replaced. I think uh, you guys currently have a CVS on Hillsborough Street right across yes, the University do. Towers. Yep. Um, that used to be a place called The Brewery. Um, the Brewery was it celebrated almost 40 years of music on Hillsborough Street. It was where every local band got their start. Uh, there was also a place called The Farmhouse right there beside the brewery is where um, they were really kind of focused on jam Americana type music. But we played there many a night. The Comet Lounge was there. We played the Comet Lounge. Um, all of this is kind of Raleigh folklore at this point, because this would have been early, the early aughts of the 2000s. Um, so I went to state from 02 to 06. Mm-hmm. And so this is, uh, this is early 2000s Raleigh the landscape and topography have definitely changed quite a bit um, since I was enrolled at NC State. Yeah, as much as I love CVS, that would have been, I, I would say, a bit of an upgrade. Yeah, I'm getting nostalgia for some venues I've never been to. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, it was, it was really great. It was kind of a bustling part of Hillsborough Street where, you know, just about any night of the week you could go see a band. Um, and now, um, you know, it feels a little bit more cookie cutter. It feels, you know, in the name of progress, they built uh, more housing, more because uh, that all used to be a big parking lot behind that CVS. Okay. That was just where uh, kids could, especially freshmen, could purchase parking spots. Uh, and now it has just been filled in with housing. Yeah, it's, that's great. I, I know they've been a lot of housing lately. I had no idea there was such a, a, a rich history underneath sort of under underneath the foundations there um and hey you know maybe if one of these uh cbd shops goes down under a new venue could come up and then we could we could be right back in, into it um that would be that would be wonderful that's, that's the dream yeah uh speaking of hillsborough street y'all are playing packabalooza that's that's the 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 big ticket item coming up soon um have you been to packabalooza was that something you, you went to a good amount at state the last Packapalooza I went to, uh, Ludacris was the Whoa. headliner. Um, so this would have been back in the, er- like I said, the early aughts of 2000. Um, so I, I saw Ludacris uh, at our, one of the last Packapaloozas I went to before um, I was touring full time. Uh, and, and that'd be like peak Ludacris, right? Like, like that was like his era oh. too. That's crazy. Yeah, we're talking peak ludicrous. We're not talking about like throwback old timer ludicrous. We're talking about like in his prime. <laughs> um. So yeah. So if if you want to let people know, like, uh, uh what's the vibes going to be at, at Packapalooza? Uh, what, what time are you going on? And what which part of Packapalooza should we all kind of direct our attention to? It's going to be an all day event. Uh, they're shutting down Hillsborough Street right in front of the bell tower. Um, it's an all day uh, event. It's family friendly. It's free. Um, they're going to have booths um, and activities set up for kids and families all up and down Hillsborough Street. Mm-hmm. But it kind of culminates 
around 8.30, um, they're building a stage right in front of the bell tower. So right between Jubala and the bell tower, there'll be a big stage. Uh, and we play that stage uh, from 8.30 to 10 o'clock. It's amazing. Yeah, I, 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 I know I'll definitely try to be between Jubala and the bell tower during that time. Um, hope anyone listening can, can be over there too. Uh, but Packapalooza, obviously, that's a great place to play, and that's really cool to hear. You've also played a lot of other really cool places. I, I believe you played the Ryman this year. That sounds amazing. Yeah, we uh, we headlined the Ryman for the first time back in June. Um, we've we've got to check off a bunch of really kind of historic rooms. We played the 930 Club in D.C., the Troubadour out in Los Angeles, um, the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. Um, for a bunch of rednecks from North Carolina, we're, we've, we've got we've We've got to see a good chunk of the world, and uh, and, and we're very uh, thankful for that. Y'all are doing pretty okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, what does it feel like? Like those, especially the kind of venues that like are just they're they're so like um tied to the history of of the the music in them that that must be really cool to like walk among kind of the the great artists who were there before. Did, did, did any of that like significance like hit y'all like on the stage? Oh, for sure. When you walk into the circle. Uh, at the Ryman or, you know, last summer we made our grand Ole Opry debut. Um, when you walk into that circle and realize who stood there, um, you know, it's kind of haunting, you know, the Ryman auditorium has been there for 130 years. Um, so almost every artist, um, of any significance, uh, either on their way up or on their way back down has played the Ryman. And so when you walk into that circle, you realize you're kind of, it's rare air. Um, you're, you're standing in a place that not many people, have have been able to stand and perform so um it's kind of a heavy uh feeling but once you get the show going um you know it's just it feels like another show um muscle memory kicks in uh reflexes kick in and you just play the show but as you're walking out to that stage it definitely does hit you the the weight Mm -hmm. of of who of who has been there before you for sure um yeah uh, you mentioned a lot of really cool shows that just now uh what would you say is Maybe your favorite show you've ever performed, if you have one kind of just uh, on the top of your head. Uh, so, so keeping it Raleigh centric, um, the the very first sellout show I played in Raleigh, I was a sophomore in college, and we sold out the brewery right there on Hillsborough Street. And mm-hmm. and and I hate to glorify the brewery. The brewery is only about 150, 200 cap room. <laughs> it wasn't this giant concert hall, um, but it was a sign that we were becoming a band. You know when when 200 kids were willing to show up on a Friday night and pay a $5 cover, um, it was the, it was the start. It, it was a pat on the back. It was a, it was a reassurance that we had made the right decision um, to start a band and start touring. So I would say one of the biggest shows of my career happened extremely early in my career. And that was the first time we had a sold out show in Raleigh. Um, Raleigh became home. Um, I, every single show, uh, I end every show with thanks for coming. We're American Aquarium from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, it's part of the fiber of the band. It's part of who I am. It's built into my DNA now. Um, so it means a lot to me, that very, very first sold out show here in Raleigh. That's amazing. I love the local connection there. And, and often those like small venues can be like the most like fun, engaging ones. So I'm, I'm glad that was like a, a formative experience for y'all. Um, Packapalooza, as you mentioned, is, is an outdoor event. Um, is there any difference like playing indoor versus outdoor shows in terms of like the vibes, like from an artist's perspective? I know like going to them, it's, it's obviously very different. The only issue, uh, like our, our sound guy is the, is the person that worries about that the most, <laughs> um, playing outdoors. Obviously there's a little bit more of a sound restraint because you're having to play to open air instead of, you know, four walls. 
Um, so he has to approach it differently from a sound point of view. Um, but for us as a band, um, you know, a show's a show. Um, mm -hmm. I've played indoor and outdoor shows my entire career. Um, they tend to be a little bigger when you're outdoors. More, You can obviously put more people on a shutdown Hillsborough Street than you can, let's say, somewhere like the Lincoln Theater. Um, so it, it, it's going to feel nice. It's gonna, there's going to be a bunch of kids there, and um, we're extremely excited. Those outdoor shows tend to be a little less intimate, but also gr on, on, on a much grander scale, they're, they're a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And um, this isn't your only show. You're going to be touring a lot of other places. I, I, I heard you're playing some festivals. That uh, How are you feeling about the rest of your tour? That seems really cool. It's great. We're, we're There's four legs of this uh, album release tour, and we're, we just finished up the second leg. So we just finished up a three-week run out on the West Coast. Um, we're getting ready. We got two weeks off, and then middle of September we hit uh, the Midwest for another two-week run. Uh, and then we head to Europe for three weeks in oh. February. So um, we're all in all, I think we're doing 44, 45 states this summer. Um, so we're, we're, we're kind of hitting everywhere. I think we're missing North Dakota, South Dakota, Maine, Rhode Island, a few other uh, states. And we apologize to those folks. But <laughs> I think we I, I think we covered quite a bit of ground. Yeah, that's, that's quite the road trip. Uh, Europe's really cool. Uh, do you know where you're going in Europe? Yeah, we fought, the tour starts uh, in Paris, uh, and then it's we got France, Belgium, Denmark, the Netherlands, uh, Scotland, England, Wales, uh, Finland, Norway, Sweden, and Germany. Okay, that 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 that's an almanac right there. <laughs> we'll yeah, love so, to see so, it. Yeah, a good a good chunk of Europe. Apologies to Spain, Portugal, Italy, <laughs> and Switzerland, but um, we're we're hitting a good chunk of it. Uh, maybe next time, yeah. Um, just uh, <laughs> uh, as a British person, uh, where in England are you playing exactly? Sorry. So uh, we've got a show in Manchester. We've got a show in London. Uh, we got a show in Brighton. Uh, we got a show in Glasgow, and uh, up in Scotland. So uh, yeah, I think we're only in England for four or five days. There might be a Liverpool show. I have to double check the schedule. Well, yeah, that's all, that's uh, awesome. Uh, my whole family's from Manchester. I just had to. Oh, awesome, Manchester. Manchester is a fun town. Um, really good food, really good nightlife. Uh, the the folks in Manchester have always been extremely kind to us. That's great. Um, let's see. So, Packapalooza is in a couple of days. Uh, for anyone who's listening who who might want to go, uh, how would you kind of describe your sound, just like from from the lead singer's perspective? Like like what is the sort of tagline of American Aquarium? It's so hard to kind of pigeonhole what we do. Mm -hmm. um, we always tell people we're punk rock kids that play country music. <laughs> Um, it's, it's loud, it's fast, um, it's twangy, um, it's a pretty energetic show. Um, it's, a, we're at, at the end of the day, we're a rock band with a pedal steel guitar. Um, and, uh, like I said, anytime you have somebody with my twang singing, it's going to sound like country music. Um, but it's a, it's a high energy country rock and roll thing. Uh, I think it falls under the all-encompassing umbrella of Americana these days. Um, but yeah, it's, we're we're a rock band from North Carolina, so it kind of sounds country. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it's a, those are really cool labels. Yeah, I, I've never like re really personally understood like country versus Americana. It's always been a weird um, one to like dissect like where one ends and one begins. But I, I'm glad there are umbrellas that that fit your very unique and really cool sound. Um, 
Uh, do you have any like you mentioned your your show is very like high energy and, and show focused? Do you have any songs that you like kind of perform that aren't really on on any of the major services? Just kind of like have like as like a live like kind of staple. Um. So yeah, we've got you know we've we've been fortunate. We've been doing this for sixteen years. Uh, we got sixteen records in sixteen years, and so after you know a decade or so, songs start rising to the top. Uh, you start realizing that some fans want to hear songs more than others, mm-hmm. and so our our set is kind of a kind of a career spanning, um, you know, kind of the biggest songs of our career, you know. Um, so there's songs like Casualties and Burn Flicker Die and Lonely Ain't Easy and uh, Wolves is going to be a big hit at NC State. Um, <laughs> um, those are Losing Side of Twenty Five. Those are some of the big big tracks. Um, that kind of are always staples in our live show. Nice, nice. Um, as you mentioned, this is coming off of an album tour. Um, I, I assume there's going to be some album stuff in there, but also like, I, I was looking around your album and, uh, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. Uh, Chica Macomico. Uh, what exactly is that? Because I know that is referencing a specific uh, location. Yeah, that's a North Carolina reference. That's actually out on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. It's modern-day Rodanthe, North Carolina. So uh, it's the northern tip of Hatteras Island. Uh, it's where I wrote the record. Um, I, I went out there for about a week and a half uh, in February of 2021, kind of a desolate time of year to be on the Outer Banks. Nobody's there. All the home, all the homes are boarded up. It's kind of a ghost town. Um, uh, it's you know, direct opposite of what it is right now. It's a hustling and bustling beach town, um, welcoming families. Uh, but in the wintertime, it's kind of a ghost town. And so I went out there to write this record. Um, and I kept seeing the water tower still says Chickamacomico. Uh, they changed the name of the town back in the 70s to make it easier for the United States Postal Service. Um, USPS said that Chickamacomico was too hard to pronounce and too hard to spell. So they changed it to Rodanthe. Um, Chickamacomico is actually an Algonquin word for sinking sand. Um, the Algonquins were the, the original people that settled that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's kind of a tip of the hat. Um, it's a record about loss. And so not only is it about a record about losing my mom and a miscarriage and a couple friends committing suicide during the pandemic, but it's also ultimately about a town losing its identity uh, in the name of progress. So. Um, I wanted to tip my hat to what it used to be pre 1970s, um, and uh, yeah, that's why the album's called Chickamacomico. Gotcha. Yeah, thank you for uh, mentioning all that. I, I, I assumed actually recording it in Chickamacomico did influence a lot of that. I, well, if you were there, was the setting kind of like playing off of of your your uh, proverbial uh, quill pen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, North Carolina. uh, Geography plays such a huge role in my writing. Um, I write about where I'm from. I write about the people, good and bad, of where I'm from. uh, Small town America. Um, And, uh, you know, a lot of it's social observation. A lot of it's kind of being in love from being, you know, being in love with certain aspects of being from the South, but also learning how to call out the bad things about being from the South, realizing there's a bunch of accountability that we still need to have in the South, realizing that not every piece of history we were taught uh, in our grade school was correct, uh, and just trying to right a lot of the wrongs that are still here in the South. And so um, North Carolina is the only place I've ever lived. So North Carolina kind of takes a a central seat 
uh, when it comes to the, the background and the settings of my songs. And so um, there's a lot of mention throughout my career of, you know, the Piedmont, uh, of the Blue Ridge Mountains, of the coastal areas of North Carolina, the Cape Fear River, the Dan River, um, Raleigh itself, the Oak City. Um, the banner that we play in front of every single night says American Aquarium, Oak City Rock and Roll. Um, so uh, we take pride in where we're from. We can also admit missteps from where we're from, but we also take a lot of pride in where we're from. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, yeah you can definitely feel the, like, locate uh, the the specificity of the location like adding to to the music in a really cool way um how would you describe chickamacomico kind of in the context of your wider discography is it a is it a departure from what you normally do is it kind of like a continuation with a specific theme of, of the kind of sound you you uh, you like to bring out it's very much a departure um usually we're kind of a big bombastic anthemic rock and roll band and <laughs> this record is almost all acoustic guitar um, it's all really hushed. Like I said, I was processing a lot of loss uh, in 2021. Like I said, I lost my grandma. I lost my mother within two months of each other. Uh, me and my wife lost a child. Um, I lost two years of touring. Um, and then I lost three friends to suicide during the pandemic. So um, I had a lot of loss to process. And this record is me processing that loss. Um, uh, it feels, uh, Hopefully, it feels like you're sitting down with a friend to talk about it. It's an acoustic guitar with very, very light uh, band accompaniment. Um, and so it's it's kind of a departure, but the songs, as far as the honesty, the transparency, the vulnerability, um, anybody that's familiar with my writing um, sees how this kind of fits in the catalog. Because it's still the same guy writing extremely open, honest songs. Uh, uh, sonically, it's a bit of a departure. Mm -hmm. uh, sub subject matter, uh, it's still pretty... Uh, right on brand for what we do as a band okay yeah and um uh, there were some standout songs of, of course from there uh, how would you describe like, picking like what singles to, to just kind of represent that very uh, intimate kind of almost co very cohesive album um you had wildfire and all i needed how, how are those the like the ones that yeah this is going to represent kind of the whole vision of this album they're the two records uh that don't depress uh everybody that hears them the first time um, <laughs> they're, the, they're the two relatively upbeat songs on the record um, all I needed is the main single off of that record um, and it's because uh, it's one of the only hopeful songs on that record it's about music being able to heal um, finding a song at the right time like the universe delivering a song right when you need it the most I wrote that song about turning on the radio after my mother's funeral and hearing a song that that I can only describe it as a song that she sent my way. Mm -hmm. um, I can only describe it as a song the universe put in front of me on purpose that day. I needed to hear it at that exact moment. Uh, and it's funny. I hope everybody has that story about the universe sending you a song when you need it. Like when you turn the radio on, you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is about me. This has to be about me. This is exactly what I'm going through right now. And you become very thankful for music in those, in those dark times. And so, I wanted to write kind of a hopeful, joyous song about the salvation of, of hearing songs and them pulling you out of uh, of the gutter. And so that was why that song was the first single off the record is because it's a hopeful song. It's an anthemic song about uh, the the, the soul-saving power of music. Yeah, that one was definitely a very, a very relatable song for sure. Um, uh, sort of tying into like the whole 
thing of the creative process. I, I, you mentioned this was a much more of a, a you focused project, but just in general, um, how do you kind of approach like the song? Does the songwriting influence the tone or does the kind of like a, a, a riff or, or some sort of a sound approach uh, influence the songwriting generally for you? It's all, it's all lyric based for me. Uh, I write most of the lyrics first or at least start the lyric writing process. And then once the lyrics start forming, there becomes a natural melody in my head. Uh, it starts to show itself. And once I have a natural melody, I can then kind of bang out a, a skeletal sketch of the song on an acoustic guitar. So I can have just simple chords, uh, chord progressions. Um, it kind of accompany the melody. And then, then I bring it to the band, and that's kind of where the magic happens. The band uh, really fleshes out the songs. Um, if I'm bringing a skeletal version, they are definitely the muscle. That gets, that gets added to the songs um so that's what takes every song from being kind of a a three and a half minute folk song to kind of an a big rock and roll song um that's all the band mm-hmm. but the band get, the band gets the song after um i've you know i've written the lyrics i've played through it i'm happy with how the song feels on an acoustic guitar because at the end of the day um I think the truest way to tell if a song can stand on its own two feet, you have to be able to play it on a guitar or piano, uh, one instrument and a voice. If the song still means something, then you've got a really good root and then you can build on top of that. Once you have that foundational like version of the song, um, that you still really like, um, anything you add to it is just going to make it better. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Just like, the 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 themes being able to stand on its own yeah, yeah that, that's a really cool point of 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 the songs that you you play um you, you uh you've not just been releasing an album recently you've been releasing a lot of um slappers bangers twangers uh sort of sort of uh compilation pieces um i i, I know those are not uh, i've kind of been across your whole career uh, uh how did you kind of pick which songs to, to put on there and to kind of be that sort of inspirational piece during, you know, a time where it was less inspirational to make people uh, slap their legs and bang their heads. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's so those two volumes, slappers, bangers, certified twangers, volume one and two uh, respectively um, were kind of an homage to uh, the music I was listening to growing up. Um, most of us were raised in, rural towns. We were raised on FM 90s country in the early 90s. Uh, We're all about the same age. We're all in our mid to late 30s. So the early 90s were kind of a a, a, um, influential time. It was the first time I was really internalizing music I listened to on the radio. And so during the pandemic, me and the boys, I've been threatening the guys for 10 years to make these records, um, but I've never had the time to do it. And so if the pandemic gave us anything, it gave us ample time. And so uh, probably six or seven months after the pandemic started, me and the boys hadn't seen each other uh, in, you know, six months. So we got together uh, in the fall of 2020, and we recorded some of our favorite 90s country hits. Um, kind of a tip of the hat to the music that kind of influenced our youth. Uh, and then once we finished that we realized that everyone was kind of needing that shot of nostalgia uh in the midst of the pandemic and so uh both of those volumes were wild wildly successful for us um and it was just something fun to do uh in between 
because uh, we had just released a record in May of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So it wasn't really time for us to release another album of original songs. So it gave us a break, but it also gave us, you know, something fun to do in the interim. Yeah, that's that. That does sound like a lot of fun. I, I'm sure there are a lot, a lot of really cool memories associated with that that were kind of brought back by by hearing those songs again. Oh, for sure. It's it's one of those things where, you know, a song that you haven't heard in 20 years comes on the radio, and then you realize that you remember every single word to it. <gasps> and then you and you ask yourself like, what part of my brain did I store this in to where, you know, 20 years later this song seems like something fresh and brand new. Um, it was a lot of fun. It, it took me right back to riding in the back of my dad's truck uh, on the way to, you know, the grocery store or something and listening to cassette tapes. And, you know, it's uh, it brought back a lot of really great memories making those records. That's awesome. Uh, I, I, I know those are things that are very specifically tied to the pandemic, but I'm, I'm sure the fans will want to know, is there a volume three coming? Is there any kind of compilations? <laughs> there is not a volume three. Volume one and two. Um, they were very much time and place records. Yeah. Um, again, the only reason we made those records is because we had a lot of extra time on our hands. We weren't touring, we weren't recording, so it gave us an excuse to get together and play music. And uh, I will always look back on those records as kind of time and place records. They will always um, be associated uh, with the two years we had off for the pandemic. Yeah. Well. Yeah, uh, you've definitely been playing a lot of music right now, and that's that's great that you, uh, you've been able to get back out there uh, in the wider world and do that. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Chicken Macomico is is of course the the culmination of of many many years of albums, um, including some where like for example Lamentations, where you you had a lot of um, specific allusions to like current day America, a lot of social focus on that. How do you like tie kind of uh, current events and like uh, wider themes into uh, standard uh, kind of ways of making songs, like like marrying songwriting with uh, things you want to say about current events. Uh, there's a there's a fine line to do it right mm -hmm. um, without feeling like you're forcing stuff down people's throats. Um, I, I I hold very strong in my convictions uh, I'm, I'm not afraid to stand up for what i believe in uh thankfully my mother uh instilled that in me at an early age to be as loud as i could about the things that moved me um since 2016 i've been a lot more outspoken about the things that move me not just uh I, I used to just write about relationships in my personal life and life on the road uh since 2016 um, there's been a lot more social observation. There's been a lot more um, me trying to deal with kind of the duality of the South, me trying to put into words that love-hate relationship that so many progressive Southerners feel toward where we're from, the mm -hmm. region we're from. Um, and so I think it's important. I really appreciate you for being here. And also for any listeners out there, really appreciate you for tuning in. And you can check out all the interviews we do here at WKNC.org slash podcast and click uh, off the record. Uh, we're going to keep it going here. Um, and also check out our brand new DJ calendar for the fall semester and find out what your favorite DJ is doing right now. I've been Plover. I've been here with BJ Barnum of American Aquarium on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh.